Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Ken Seymour and Richard Geiger. How are you, Richard? I am terrific. Turkey timing terrific. Yeah, we're uh, we're recording this just a day before the big day where everybody is supposed to eat copious amounts of foods and uh, argue with everybody they disagree with politically in their family. Well, unless you're not, you know, getting together with your family. Well, you it's just argue call. with your people that are in your house. <laughs> There's usually enough. Anyway, in the in the short uh, in the small space, you can you can come up with something to argue about. Mm-hmm. Make it feel like home. Oh, in that mindset, our episode today is just a little cathartic release, a little rant. Now, now for me, I, I don't like to spread negativity. So usually my rants are minor, minor annoyances, you know, little tiny things that, that are meh, but just can't help but just tick in the back of my mind about specific subjects. And I've, I've got one that, that I, that's pertinent because of what has uh, recently just finished with the end of the show Supernatural. Now Richard, Richard has his own particular subject that he's going to be going off about. What are you going to be talking about, Richard? Well, I kind of had, we had kind of put out there a little bit about uh, video game stuff, but I have one minor grievance with that that's not really a grievance in a sense, something that I can't control, uh, but is uh, the way things have changed. But anyway, I have another one about uh, grocery shopping. Ooh. Very timely, yes. Well, let's let's start with food since it's so close to Thanksgiving. We we will we will go along that route because it seems just uh, too too good to pass up. What's what's your issue with grocery stores right now? Okay, so where we live in the Midwest there's, you know, there's a handful of grocery stores that you can go to. There's going to be local ones, more that are more, you know, Indiana, just directly Midwest. Um, I think IGA, for example, is is one of those. It's really more of a a localized chain. Uh, We've got national chains. You know, there's no super target technically in in town, but there is a target, right? Mm -hmm. You buy groceries there. Um I think the big ones that a lot of people go to there is a there's a Fresh Time, yeah, and there's a Kroger, mm-hmm. and there is an Aldi, mm-hmm. and we used to if people are people remember the grocery chain Marsh, we did used to have a few of those in town, yeah, but where we are at, there are two Aldis, one of them is new, and there are. One, I mean, one, two, uh, four, what, four, five Krogers in this tiny little town? Seven, eight hundred, yeah. Mm-hmm. Too, too many, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so if you're not, I mean, if you're not in the Midwest, you're still shopping a Kroger brand, most likely. It's just under a different name. If you're Even, not uh, going to, like, Walmart or doing your shopping at the uh, Menards. <laughs> Correct. You can get lots of groceries at Menards. Yeah, you can. You can get everything at Walmart. I wish we had a Meyer that was close because Meyer's yeah. a pretty good store. I like Meyer. That's more of a, a Midwest thing. Or I think it came out of Michigan, and then it's kind of spread its wings from there. You know, if you go south, you're going to do something like Publix. 
I don't even know if when when Dixie is, is a thing. Anyway, the Kroger brand is a national thing. Um, they own a couple different chains from the West Coast to the wherever. It's probably one of the biggest grocery chains, if not the biggest grocery chains in the country. And I, I my problem is just in town. Once again, I said there's four, five, twenty Krogers. And they're not all the same. No, so that's part. Of, that's part of my complaint. Is you know, it's it's funny because a lot of people around here there's a there's a crow ghetto and there's a crow Gucci yes, and then there's is. everything in between, right? So the level of these stores, of the maintenance of this store, is one of the things that just drives me crazy. And the amount of shoppers and the type of shoppers and the the people coming and going and the traffic and it's just when you go to a place right now and i I, we're probably a few like the two of us are probably people that really don't go anywhere right now not really we tend to stay home if i'm gonna go shopping in person to a store i'm gonna go to a place like aldi if you go to kroger which is basically one of our other options here there's an app you can download everything that you want, drive to the place, and they'll put it in your car. Indeed. That's it. I mean, that you, you come and you go. Every once in a while, there's an opportunity that arises where you can't go to Aldi because they have a lot of things, but not everything. And it's too late to do an order on the app. So then you are forced to go into a place, let's say like Kroger, to get your food. And the place... I don't know if you get this feeling and maybe this feeling is different now, but like when I go into some of these, the thing that drives me, it just gives me like the store feels creepy to me and it's hard to explain. If I go to a store like Aldi and I walk around for 20 minutes and I get stuff, it's like got a completely different vibe and feeling than growing to a Kroger. And the last thing I ever want to do is walk into one of those stores right now to do shopping because it just has the weirdest vibe to it and i can't explain it and if you've gone shopping you're in the same boat as me maybe you'll maybe you'll get it so maybe it's the high anxiety level that everybody is currently experiencing causing a slight difference in uh, the behavior that everyone has that that's true and in the early days of when everything was shut down. So we're talking about like April, you went to Aldi and everybody was cleaning and wiping and blah, blah, blah. If you went to target, you, if you, everybody was cleaning and wiping and doing everything. And then there was Kroger and they were just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Do what you can. It's a free for all. Do whatever. But I, I guess what really got my, that that's, that's a small part of the rant. Because I'm sure people have that same feeling all over the place of folks that listen to us. And some folks that listen to us and are like, man, you're a nutbag. Or, uh, like, get over it. Or whatever. So, you know, everybody's got their own opinions and their own styles of things. And I get it and I understand. But the one thing that really drew my attention to wanting to rant and rave is a self-checkout. Right? Mm. Okay. All right. All right. So, here, here's my thought on the self-checkout. There really is no limit, right? There's no limit to you can have two things. You can have 300 things if you want to. Drive up a skid. My thought process is when there's there's people who are working to help you check out and you pull your, your car and 
they everybody someone else does the checking out for you my feeling is there's a lot of folks that are out there that have large amounts of items or maybe physically or a little unable to do the self-checkout on their own they should go to those places and me going in there with two items or 10 items or 12 items is just to me i feel like those people need that time more than what i do i can help myself i can go to a self-checkout i can go through real quick but oh my gosh this is the same thing at target too one when you go through a self-checkout it the the amount of i don't want to incompetence is <laughs> is a strong word mm -hmm. but the amount of let's call it ignorance because there's a lot of folks who haven't used those types of machines before where it I, I experienced it today where, where one, it was busy. I mean, I knew when you go in right before Thanksgiving, everybody's going to be shopping yeah. and buying things and getting stuff ready for their meals. And I already did all that big shopping a long time ago. This was more, Hey, I needed a, I forgot a couple things. I need to get a couple things, but you go in and in the self checkout line, there are people buying bundles of wood, gigantic blankets and about a hundred food items and <laughs> you're just like I, I and there's no there's no speed right so no. I, I get it if you don't understand how to use the machine or you get stuck on something cool but when it's i'll just take my time regardless of the 30 people that are waiting behind me that's what drives me crazy um and then some people there was there was in the same checkout group there was two people one group two separate people occupying two of the checkout places. Like they were together, they were a group, but one was going to go here, one was going to go here. And they couldn't figure life out. So they were going back and forth and back and forth. And it's just an observational thing. You know, if you go to Target and you do the self-checkout or you go to these places and you do the self-checkout, just sit back and watch the the frustrating amount of things to go through on a self-checkout maybe because i've done it thirty thousand times it's just like i know i gotta go up there with my card i have five things scan them put them in the bag swipe my card and get out the door um, but i feel like the lack of speed or the lack of red card for the other people waiting in line behind you just absolutely drives me crazy or if you're gonna go there and you're gonna have 30 40 50 items today i saw a person in the self-checkout lane and they had two shopping carts and one of them was a heaping mound of food and bags that and i'm not exaggerating like completely overstocked uh, shopping cart with stuff probably had to have hundreds of dollars of groceries going through the self-checkout cool but if you're not a speed ranger doing that it's frustrating to everybody else waiting behind you well so, and it seems like it's partly to do with the purpose and the design of the self-checkout um, on its face and the way that it's presented to us is the self-checkout is supposed to be for people that know what they're doing want to get in and out and want to not have to deal with people because they don't want to deal with people they just want to kind of do their thing and get going and that's great like a social interaction, lack of social interaction right. type of transaction. When it's actually more like we don't want to pay cashiers and we don't want to pay people to bag. And it's purely for cost rather than for purpose. Or at the very least, that's the way it seems. Because if it were 
truthfully for people that didn't want to interact. The percentage of people that fall in that, I feel, is fairly small. You wouldn't need very many self-checkout lanes. You need maybe four in your average grocery store of the size of the ones that we see. But we don't see four. We see eight. We see 16. We see 20 of these self-checkout lanes with one attendant, maybe, between all of them. And that seems like it's just straight up cost cutting. And because it's so new, I mean, people knew how to behave in the lines. You had the regular line and you had the 10 items or less line. Mm -hmm. You fit into one of those two things. And if you were the person that brought 20 items into that 10 item or less, prepare for a whole group of people to stare you down and just, just treat you like you are not worthless, but you need to get your stuff together and get into the right lane. Just stop being that way. Be a good person. There's no common agreements, no social contract that has been put forward on how to behave in these self-checkout areas. You're, you're right. And there's no, from a business standpoint, there's no limitation that says, oh, card only or 15 items or less on the it's there's no let's call them exclusions it's a it's an all or nothing or a free-for-all and i feel like most people get that concept but then there's the there's the folks that just eh, this stuff checkouts for me and no one else and do it is there another thought process who if you're one who needs to go through or wants to go through a, a self-checkout generalizing of course that you are in a quote hurry. Most people, if you're in a store and you're going to be there and you're going to buy hundred dollars worth of things, or you're going to buy 50 things, you may not be in such a big hurry, no. but if you're going to go in and get two things and three things and something like that, not always, but a lot of times you're in a mild hurry. You want to get in and you want to get out. Thus the self checkout affords that opportunity to not have to wait behind folks who have the 50 items yep. or, you know, it's just a way to not have to man a, another unit uh, to help those other folks. It's just a way to expedite the process. It's kind of how I view it initially, but it just seems like the, the, the avoiding the social interaction piece has almost caught up in terms of volume at the self-checkouts maybe i think i think it there needs to be some additional levels of um not training that's not the right word but certain certain structures put into place to help things work better and not cause uh cerebral uh cerebral hemorrhages and people as they go through so maybe something as simple as a sign that is backed up by the system because it's an automatic system says if you have more than 20 items and you try to scan more than 20 items it will fail but if it does that then they're just going to finish that transaction and start a new one and start a new one that's all it's going to happen which then creates a bigger backlog or maybe since there is generally somebody looking at things, they look at the people that are about to come into line. It's like, oh, you have a heaping cart. You go over there. You may not use this. I mean, if you've got this heaping cart, you should want to go through a regular checkout lane anyway. 
while the, those of us with two or three items can go just in a snap through that auto checkout, there is no way to go through in a snap when you have an entire cart or two of items through there. It takes two to three times as long to go through that than to go through a regular aisle with that cart of stuff, even if you take into account that there are going to be people in front of you because you have an entire lane and the person that's there knows how to scan things very quickly. And then there's another person behind that person, whether that's hired staff or maybe you coming around because you want it bagged in a very specific way to catch all the stuff and then put it into the cart. Well, and, and so here's the other thing. So I mentioned today there are people buying these like uh, ricks of wood and uh, blanket, but like the, the package of the blanket was gigantic. It, it was this, and there was, they had multiples. It's not like it was just a little item, right? It was a gigantic thing. So if you go through Target, for example, and I don't even know if people pay attention to this, they have a little scanner gun. So if you have something that's oversized, you just grab the gun and you scan it. You put, so you don't Those have to handy. Put, put it on top of the little, the counter. But Kroger doesn't have anything like that. So I watched these people just struggle to try and position this gigantic package of a blanket over the scanner. And it wasn't working because you couldn't you couldn't position it correctly, given that set of equipment. And I was just like, you, you got to know that going into that situation before you ever get to that point. I, I don't know. It just. Now, here's it, something interesting. Now, you're talking about the difference between what they call the Crow Ghetto and the Crow Gucci mm -hmm. in Bloomington. Now, before the pandemic began, the Crow Gucci, at least, and maybe they're still doing it, but I haven't gone in to look, um, had a really unique solution to people that wanted to be able to check their own stuff out and also at the same time not cause that clock. It just wasn't, it would never happen. I don't know if you saw it, that same gun that you were talking about that you could scan mm -hmm. underneath, they had a rack of them. You would take the gun with you as you went through shopping. You scanned your stuff as you put it in the cart. When you got to that final checkout area, you just scanned the gun into the system and it loaded everything. That's what that is. So I was, I was there mm, like two weeks ago. At, at at the uh at the gucci and they had that system up front and i didn't i was i, I wasn't paying attention to it i just walked past and like oh it's like you're you're shopping for a wedding you have a gun you can go through and scan things and like that i was like now that i know exactly what that is it is awesome that's really cool yeah and we went when we were still going into the stores regularly we used that it works extraordinarily well. I mean, there's going to be the occasional thing where, it, like, you've got barcodes. Oh, the barcode didn't scan, but it's an easy fix. Uh, they've got systems in place that make it simpler, and there's never a clog, especially if you're the type of people that were trained like we were to be a little more responsible, bring our own bags so that we mm -hmm. didn't keep using the plastic bags over and over. So we'd scan stuff right in the bag it goes. <laughs> it's yeah, just you're, everything you're, goes you're, ready multitasking right and that we we loved we loved that so i can't wait till uh can't wait till i feel like i'm going to be able to use that again that that was really handy maybe a while <laughs> it may it may indeed be a while oh uh, see and see you've got real world 
rant stuff. Oh man, I got it. I got it so rough going to a grocery store and having problems, right? Jeez. I, I try to. I guess I should put it this way. I'm lucky enough to be able to go to a grocery store and buy food right. and provide that for my family when there are many out there that don't have that opportunity. Exactly. So let's put this rant into a little bit of perspective with with how we're how and what I'm presenting here, right? Exactly. I'm being very picky and very uh, <laughs> finicky on oh my gosh, a self checkout at a grocery store when there's so many folks that can't even go to a grocery store to buy things. So let, exactly. Like let's put that in a little bit of perspective as our, to our listeners. Here well, and that, that reminds me, that is another good reason to have the self checkout because there are those that are in need of assistance and they've made it so that the EBT cards that you can get when you're getting um, uh, food stamps um, that you can use those in those self checkout area. I mean, it's, it's sometimes a point where you feel a certain shame that you have to be using this and you don't want other people to see that you are using this. And that lets you be in your own private world in case that's something that bothers you. So that's kind of a, a good, good aspect to that as well. Yeah. The social, the, the social pressure, I guess you could call it. Right. But yeah, you know, all, all I can hope is that, uh, everybody, uh, is able to have at least some semblance of, of, comfort tomorrow uh at least one day where they can they can relax and uh and think about good things watch some foosball right have a have a beverage whether it's water or beer you know whatever right now before we get to more nitpicking uh just to remind everyone that we are of course, on all of the social media platforms, except for the TikTok. We, we don't do the TikTok. I don't, actually, I do know why we don't do the TikTok. I have zero interest in TikTok, and I have no dance moves. Uh, <laughs> yeah, little interest whatsoever. <laughs> but we are, of course, at Real Pudding Guys on Twitter. We're at Pudding Guys on both Instagram and Facebook. And, of course, we are at Pudding Guys on Patreon, where for just $1 a month, you can help support us as we bring you more content, more interviews with really neat people. I've got, we've got a fun one in the works for you coming up here in a couple weeks with a, a neat actor. Uh, just just uh, helps give us that little edge that we need so that we can go buy those groceries and uh, <laughs> do the things we need to do. But uh, so uh, past the shameless plugs for things that are coming in let's let's get back to the nitty-gritty of complaining about things yes let's do it in a, <laughs> a super way and be natural about our speech that we're well, that's getting. right that's right um normally i i don't like to uh, um to rant too much about real life stuff in any recorded format because uh, oftentimes when you rant you're coming from a place of a certain amount of anger and it kind of skews the way you look at things and then that's recorded forever and then you look back it's like man I was such a punk when, when I said that I was way off base and so I, I prefer on the recorded end of things at least to just keep it on something that I know won't particularly change and doesn't really matter whatsoever. So, um, 
my rant um, it has to do with the show Supernatural. Now, of course, I'm going to preface this. This is a, a phenomenal show. I, I really like it a lot. The actors are great. The writing is generally pretty awesome. The, it's been running for 15 seasons. There's got to be something behind it when it's been going for this long and it's not a daytime drama. Um, well, it's kind of a nighttime drama, I guess, in a way, sort of. But so this show, you're familiar with it, right, Richard? I am familiar that it is a show that exists for many seasons. All right. For so obviously, I will preface this with uh, the uh, obligatory spoiler alert. Uh, I will likely be uh, touching on things that is revealed in plot. And if you have not seen all 15 seasons, you may wish to not hear portions of this. Uh, but by now, I expect most people that are interested in this will have already uh, listened. But my, my particular issues with the show um, are issues I have with a lot of shows, a lot of movies. Uh, on the positive side, character development is really pretty stellar. When you got 15 seasons and when the nature of the show is that it is going to carry on the plot from show to show to show, you actually have to kind of pay attention to what's going on in order to know what's happening in this episode. They still do kind of a, a monster of the week more often than not, but there's a lot of carryover plot for the overplot. Sometimes it's a single plot over the entire season. Usually it's in two stages. They'll have the first half and the second half, which is kind of formulaic. So you kind of know, well, we're about to finish up something and then head into something else, but it doesn't really hurt anything. Now, this show is set in essentially the real world with certain assumptions. Uh, God is real. Um, uh, it's essentially a Judeo-Christian framework. Uh, so there are angels, there are demons, there are spirits, but there are also all sorts of other supernatural creatures, vampires, werewolves. It all kind of interlaces into this um, into this backdrop so that there's always something that the good guys can fight and that that can um, serve as a, just kind of a fun little jolt or a call back to some fantastic literature that's existed for a long time or whatever. And they generally do a great job. There's usually a certain emphasis on certain types of creatures um, for an entire season. Sometimes, uh, sometimes they create something new generally pretty awesome. Now, here is where my issue lies. Anytime you have a show that runs this long, part of the issue with it, especially when it's going to be um, based in, in an environment where there is going to be um, supernatural elements, or this happens a lot with superhero stuff too, um, you have to have escalating risk there has to be something that drives it well this was the bad guy this year you thought that was bad this is the bad guy this year even more dangerous even more perilous whatever they're constantly trying to build things up right they never reset at least not completely they've taken a step back once or twice but generally speaking it's what's the next one what's the next one what's the next one so if you're going to do that and you're going to create a framework 
that is based in this Judeo-Christian concept where there is an actual God. That is an actual character in the show. That they, the issue that I have is it feels like they did not know how to finish the show. I mean, the final episode, I will say, first of all, the final episode was beautiful. It was really well done. Had nothing to do with the end plot. Um, Well, essentially nothing to do with the end plot. It was its own entity to kind of give um, a little denouement for the entire series. But the true climax happened in the next to last episode. Now, they've had to fight spirits. They've had to fight demons. They've had to fight the king of hell. They've had to fight... Uh, stop the apocalypse, uh, Lucifer and Michael fighting. They've had to kind of go through all sorts of different things to try and stop things happening. You Sometimes the bad guy is pretty obvious, sometimes it's not. So the character of God had been presented as a character fairly early on. You didn't know the character was God at first. Uh, did not present itself as God. Then it kind of hinted, and anybody that paid attention, it was clear that the character was God. And then eventually just kind of, yes, I'm God, kind of a thing. Okay, fine. They, the first minor issue I have is the characterization of the God character. Um, They build him up. They never reveal too much, which is kind of smart. You're going to have this penultimate, or not really penultimate, ultimately powerful being. You can't really easily define it. it it's, it's, not, it's not that simple. And it's better to let the viewer kind of imagine whatever they want to imagine. Put it in that, in that thing, you know, you, the worst pain that you could possibly think of is usually something you would think of, not somebody else. You will put yourself through worse pain. Same thing with good stuff. The best thing you could possibly imagine is generally better than what somebody else can do. So let them imagine God to be what you want. But the actions of the God character put it fairly squarely in the realm of a good guy, which kind of makes sense. God created everything. He wants to see what's happening, wants to generally help things along. Now he takes a back seat, does not take a hands-on approach. At first, that works well. As you slowly go through the plot, well, God has a sister. Okay, sure, why not? He is the light, his sister is the dark. They go through this whole thing, and they're comparably powerful, but he created archangels, and with the help of the archangels, imprisoned his sister. Seems a little, if they're comparably powerful, that's stretching things a little bit, but okay, fine. For the sake of the the plot, I got behind that. Everything was fine. Um, And they kind of make up at the end of it, at the end of the season that that happens at. So they're they're on the same page. And you're seeing this kind of, this character develop as you go. Now, at the time, it didn't register with me because I was basically okay with the way it was going that those were the first seeds of the problem. So this character is God, omnipotent. There is nothing greater in power. Uh, um, yes, uh, I'm not going to be able to talk because it's late. Uh, um, omniscient. Omniscient, thank you. Yes. Uh, knows everything, sees everything. Okay, fine. 
um, you find out that God will eventually die and the character of death will be the one that will reap them. Knows exactly how God will die. God does not know how he will die. Wait, what? And then he's not all knowing. Okay. Little chinks. Because um, a lot of times in the, in the Judeo-Christian way of doing the, the, the God character, he's also uh, omnibenevolent. You know, all good sort of a thing. They, they took that and allowed him to have mistakes that he made so that you can kind of relate and feel. But as soon as you do that, not only is the character not omnibenevolent, it's not really, again, all-knowing. Because if it was all-knowing, it would have known it would have made a mistake by doing what it was doing. Okay, so this leads to my big issue that was driving me crazy in the final season. You're going to create a structure. You're going to create a set of rules that the reality is going to operate in. And then you're going to break them. That happens a lot in writing, a lot in shows. And it can be okay, provided that you give a good reason for you to break your own rules. Setting up new rules to replace the old rules. Or showing that, oh, what I told you were the rules were not really the rules. It's just what you thought were the rules. And then they were really this way all along. And if you look, they all matched. It's like, oh, you're right. Everything matched. Mind blown, you know, that sort of thing. They did not do that, I do not believe. They turned God into a villain at the end of the 14th season, which I th thought came out of nowhere. Um, basically, the main characters were his show that he watched. It was his favorite thing. He created reality after reality, replicated Sam, Dean, and Castiel, and all them, and several different other alternate possibilities, uh, but this this first one, this was his favorite. This was the one he wanted to watch, and he wanted the story to end in his own particular way. So the, the boys were going to fight against that. Sure. Okay. Little odd, but potentially could work. The method in which he goes about it is fairly, fairly okay. He starts collapsing all of the other realities because... He's just going to start over. He's going to destroy everything and start over uh, because it's not going the way he wants. Fine. Destroy the other realities. He even kills every person on this earth except for Sam and Dean and um, um, and uh, the Nephilim, Jack. Okay, sure, fine. But what leads up to that is this standoff where the guys think they figured out a way to defeat God by going through the series of things that build Jack up to become powerful enough to explode and destroy God. However, it is revealed that he was the one that planted that information for them to find in the first place because he's the master of time and space. So the people that thought that they had this information, he's the one that gave it to them. It was never going to work because he knew exactly what was going to happen. Why? Okay, because he controls everything. He's created everything. Okay, I'm on board so far. Plan fails. Jack does not destroy God. Sure, great. But the way that they wrote for him to be defeated after everyone on earth had been 
essentially destroyed was that, well, what happened when Jack was turned into this bomb is he became this kind of battery that just sucked in power. So anytime God exerted himself, he sucked in this power. And when the boys stood up to God and he destroyed the last archangel, Michael, he exerted enough power for Jack to come up and then absorb the rest of God's power. What? That makes no sense. Zero sense under the framework that you created. If he was the one that gave them the idea and understands how the physics works because he made it, how could he possibly have not known that would happen? On top of that, there are three people in the world and he can see everything normally and he's intentionally looking at them. There is no surprise. He would have seen it. It just, I, had, I was slack-jawed for a good 15, 20 minutes as they're going through the reasoning behind this. And it's just like, why? What? I, how do you get from point A to point B? It just really felt like what they did was, well, we got to end the show. Eh. <laughs> Everything comes to an end somehow. Uh, I just, uh, and this is not, and I have to reiterate, this is not a criticism, really. It's, it's a minor irritant because literally after 15 seasons, what are you going to do? There's, it's, if you're going to keep that escalation, you're going to paint yourself into a corner. It's going to happen. Yep. And to get out of that and not make a mistake, at least a little small one, I don't see how it's possible. It's just, it's just, there's too many moving pieces, too many working parts. You're going to have some plot holes. You're going to have some issues. I just felt like this one was a pretty big hole. I kind of wonder, they, I'd heard that they rewrote the ending of the show. I wonder what the original ending was. I wonder if it had the same issue. I felt that it would have made a lot more sense if you're going to have the character of this ultimately powerful individual be somebody that can make mistakes and learn, but ultimately is all-powerful and all-knowing. Maybe you come to realize that he didn't make mistakes. What you were seeing is not quite what you think you are seeing. That, sure, these guys are his favorite show, but he's doing something for some other reason to get them to realize something, and then everything will go back to normal. Or, okay, even allow him to make a mistake, that they are able to use their experiences of what he's put them through to talk to him because they're not going to defeat him. They're going to talk to him and he's going to realize the mistake that he made and he has the power to fix it and then fixes it. That would have been a great ending. <sighs> so it would have been like Newhart. They were just woken up from the bad dream. Well, no, no, no waking up. No, no time travel shenanigans. No, it was all just a dream. That would have been worse than what they did by far. But it, there was. Did, a, did I just date myself to everybody listening when I said <laughs> the new heart ending? <laughs> the fact that I knew what you were talking about dates me as much as it dates you. <laughs> but uh, it just it just felt like there was a chance to say something 
philosophically significant that they just missed. That even the most powerful individual has the chance to change and be better. What kind of a message could that have been? Instead of, yeah, I sucked out all your power and you're human now and you're never going to be able to mess with anybody ever again. Bye. <laughs> the end. The end. Oh, I just... the. I tried not to rage too much, and I just reminded myself that the characters are great, and one small error in my sight is not such a big thing for a, a show that's been running for 15 years and has been great in every other way. Well, uh, you said earlier on that uh, death knew how he was going to die but since he's all knowing he should know but he didn't know because you know death and yeah <laughs> just slightly inconsistent and you know you can always go well he said he was all knowing no nobody else has said he was all knowing that would be in a position to know if he was all knowing so maybe he was misrepresenting his own abilities however in every instance where it mattered he showed yeah he knows exactly what is happening at every given point. And if you believe in any sort of deterministic reality, it makes sense. He put everything in motion. He knows all of the variables. So yeah, he would know exactly how everything is going to turn out. There would be no surprises. So just, eh, eh. Well, he was all knowing as it mattered to the plot of the... <laughs> show done uh, yeah he he was as uh ex machina as he as he needed to be for mm, sorry rage rage is subsiding just a little bit now i because i like i said the guys that played the the parts were great and the, the dialogue is so good and even with that it was still it could still be a fulfilling ending if you can turn your brain off enough to to get past that particular problem then it, it's fine. And I could be completely wrong. I've been wrong a lot of times. Maybe I missed something just obvious that's just right there, or there's an interpretation that makes it all work that I'm just not seeing. Uh, I'm sure there might be, but the way that it, that was my first reaction to the ending is I had my fingers crossed, like, come on, come on, you guys can do it. Show that there's, oh, you know, <laughs> crapped out. Well, when you have 13 years of investment and then the 14th year comes and it's like, uh, and then the 15th year comes and you're just like, uh, uh, you know, you have all that buildup for all that investment. You know, a lot of us will watch a show. Um, you know, for, for me, Deadwood's a great example where they just did a couple seasons of that show. And the last season was just like, Hmm. And then they did a movie finally. And the movie was like, uh, okay, but like, <laughs> that's not a lot of investment relative to a show that's got characters and plots for, you know, so many years, you know, that's, that's hard. You should, I think as a, I think as a fan of a show that goes on that long, if you have that type of investment, I mean, you should have an expectation, be it the wrong one or the right one. You yeah. should have an expectation. Well, maybe part of it is I have the tendency to not just analyze, but overanalyze. I've seen most of the episodes more than once. Um, in fact, I've seen several of them, even as many as three times. 
Uh, not as many as some fans of Supernatural, more than most people, I expect. But not, not only have I watched all of the episodes, uh, as you are well aware, as part of my uh, pop culture death count, I've you know, chopped it into as small a pieces as I can so I know exactly who died when, what counts as a kill, how does this reality work? Because in order to know what a kill is, you have to look at the the fundamental underpinnings of how the reality is. When somebody dies, what happens? Is that really a death? Does it count if they come back again? We talked about this, you know, outside of this episode a little bit not too long ago. So I have I've tried to look at how the world was created like an author would when they're when they're creating a a novel. Um, so I feel like I have a pretty solid all a grasp of how how things were stitched together and where some of the some of the weaknesses are but uh i will say this um i don't think any show is going to exceed the kill count of this show it's not even close um we will be releasing the pop culture death count kill count for season 15 shortly i expect i'll probably do some of that in my spare time in the next couple of days i just have to uh, run things through the calculator i've got it all written down it's just a matter of uh fine-tuning the last couple of numbers but uh i don't think there's like i said i don't think there's any show that comes close to the number of kills that's in supernatural and then there's not very many shows that come close in terms of numbers of episodes true period true so that i mean that just gives you you know some perspective when you talk about some shows even you know like a show like game of thrones which had a lot of involvement and investment and it was you know, eight years worth of kind of a letdown in the making <laughs> at the end <laughs> but even those shows you know some of those seasons were only you know eight episodes long or ten episodes long were supernaturals you know, I, I imagine each season was, what, 20 episodes long? Something like uh, that? Approximately. There was one season that was fairly short, uh, I believe due to a writer's strike, but the rest of them were all in that 20 range. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's that's a lot of episodes. And we should probably do an, ep- uh, an episode ourselves about shows that just d- deteriorate over time versus ones that have somehow been able to maintain that quality level. What's the difference between them? Because I mean, we've had that conversation. You bring up um, game of Thrones was a letdown for a lot of people. Uh, Lost was a letdown for a lot of people. Uh, these, these shows that start with such a huge uh, interest level heroes for a lot of people it just decreased in quality what is the difference between the show that can maintain a perceived quality level versus ones that appear to the viewer to drop what is the difference the writing is it the cast is it the money is it just people getting tired of it yeah walking dead well we would love to know what do you think putting people uh what are your pet peeves? What what makes you want to rant? Uh, let us know. Like we said, we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We are on Instagram. Give us a little shout out and uh, we would love to hear it. Maybe we'll even uh, respond to something and have a secondary episode where we talk about other people's rants. Hmm. Fair. Yes. But until next time, stay safe, have some turkey, and be well. Be well.